Well, to the many a toto we're here now. There we find Lynn Berry, originally from Omakau, but she's delivering dairy diaries in the many a toto at the moment. Jill of all trades. Lynn, uh, how dry is it up there? I was hunting through there over the weekend and it really amazed me. Coming back, I came back through middle March and just couldn't believe how brown and golden the uh, pasture was, where it kind of normally, I guess, might be a little bit green. Good afternoon. Yeah, well, I was just thinking the same thing as I was driving down past this dairy farm, thinking, my goodness, there's not a lot of grass that no. I can see around. No, it's a, it's quite worrying, I guess. Uh, mind you, this time two years ago, there was a hoar frost over Queen's birthday weekend. So I guess it's not all that bad, but heading into winter, farmers must be pretty concerned. Yeah, there might, there's probably a few people scratching their heads up here. I noticed that there'd been a bit of a frost up here as I was driving past some of the water troughs and, and drains that were still like iced over. Um, I see a bit of fodder beach stacked around in a few places as well that looks like it's been lift, lift, lifted, uh, ready to feed out to some stock. But the crops that I've seen and driven past don't look too bad. But, yeah, it's still still a little bit browner than what I would have thought it should be. Yeah, I think we've been looking at the Niwa soil moisture maps and the drought indicator maps, and you look at the colours, and it was the rainbow earlier this year. It kind of graduated down to south and being the driest part of the country. And there's a really big dry patch right over central Otago. But it's hard to... to I guess, marry up what you're seeing on the map with how it actually looks. And so, yeah, it really did amaze me over the weekend. Uh, what's the mood been like with the farmers you've been popping in to see? Oh, most of them have been really busy out shifting cows, and they yeah. don't want to see me <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But um, I've just been popping in and dropping them in on, on the office desks and then disappearing because they're busy enough without um, wanting to uh, stop and chat. So One thing uh, that will be, or one... I guess, uh, part of the farming operation that will be enjoying the drier climates potentially are the working dogs. Are they still out hard at work with their masters at the moment? Oh, yeah. Working dogs are always hard at work. Given that there's approximately around 200,000 working dogs in New Zealand and they are they're the right arm of any any farmer and probably a couple of legs as well because <laughs> they do a lot of work. Like they reckon when the, a dog does a muster um, on a good day, it does bet- runs between 60 to 100 kilometres a day. Wow. And at some stages they get up to about 20, 30k. So they're, they're like fine-tuned athletes that um, we have working for us. And they and should they, be treated as such as well. Oh, they should, and they should. And we've got a lot better at uh, looking after our dogs because traditionally it's been, you know, stick a couple of old work shoes in the freezer and um, then feed them to the dogs. So they get a lot of, used to get a lot of frozen mutton, which wasn't that high in energy and it was also lacking in some bits and pieces uh, like vitamin B and occasionally had quite a bit of bone in it that could cause a few digestive problems. But nowadays we've got an excellent range of um, manufactured feed for our dogs that cover the whole spectrum from working dogs, pups, through to lactating bitches as well. But it's quite interesting that where the working dog or our heading dogs came from because they came into the country 
from Scotland as uh, Border Collies back in the day. And then they were bred with shorter-haired dogs because <laughs> Collie's quite long head. Yeah. And for some of our um, environments where they're working, especially uh, in the down in the South Island in the summertime, they got really, really hot. Yeah. So they bred them with shorter-haired dogs. And then they also bred them with dogs that didn't uh, that would stand up because the Border Collie, when it stops, has a tendency to drop to the ground. To lie down, yep. Yeah, so... <laughs> For our, for our dogs, when they're running around out and they tussock up in the hill block and they drop down, you can't see them, which isn't ideal when you're trying to direct them <laughs> to go and, and get the stock that they're supposed to. So they started breeding them with dogs that tended to stand more. And we actually and they were, we actually had our first dog trials, and most of them were heading dogs, um, back in 1867 up in Wanaka. Oh, wow. It's quite yeah. revolutionary, uh, I guess, before its time almost. Yeah, it was, and that was mainly for heading dogs. We didn't really have a dog trials that featured um, hunterways until about 1870 up in the upper Waitaki because hunterway was actually, um, back in the day, was bred from some of these hunt- heading dogs that would actually bark, Yeah, and some farmers liked that. So then they would cross those bark ones that tended to bark more, with other dogs that bark a lot, <laughs> and um, so they would they they finally bred this dog that would make lots of noise, and um, they, they're the second most common dog in New Zealand. Wow, wow! I knew they were common, but I didn't realise that prolific. And I guess that's because a lot of them do reside on farms, and you don't see them as often as you would a lot of other dogs. Uh, we actually got a hunterway pup when we were farming in Wales. There was one guy in the hills that was breeding hunterways. He must have uh, taken some over from New Zealand, and yeah, absolutely loved it. It was so cute. But yeah, most people would look at it and be like, what on earth is that? And we're like, hey, these are your best friend on a New Zealand farm. Um, yes, yes, they are. <laughs> so, and, but the other thing too is at this time of year, you've got to be um, make sure that the, that your dogs are housed well. They're kept nice and warm. Um, there's a lot better our, our kennels, our accommodation for our dogs nowadays is a lot better than what it used to be. Yes, and we've got some really good kennels that are well insulated. And the, if you can keep them nice and warm in the winter time then they will, they will live longer because they don't get problems such as arthritis. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's not, only the, uh, that's not the only thing to be aware of in terms of dog health as well. No, and a regular worming problem is really, uh, program is really important mm. to stop problems with hookworm, roundworm or, or whipworm. And the two really, really important ones as far as like um, humans as well is hydatus to make sure that they're getting their regular um, pills to stop them getting hydatus because it is a zoonoic um, disease and can be transferred to humans. Wow. And the problem with that is that it causes cysts in like internal organs in your brain. And then there's the pesky um, tapeworm that causes sheep me- measles. And they cause those hard white cysts in the muscles and tissues of your sheep. And the Eggs, they um, get they've digested by the, the sheep. They go into the uh, and so they intestine. move around your body. Yeah, yeah, and they move around and they and they sit, sit in the muscles, and then the body's immune system actually kills them. 
but they calcify and they go hard, yeah. and that's what causes that downgrade in our meat. So uh. we, it's, so it's a combination. We one, we don't want high data, which affects us, and two, we need to be also making sure we're covering the worms that are causing sheep measles. Yeah, there we go. And just one final thing, Lynn, heading into winter, it's really important. We see those nasty rodents starting to try and find their way inside to get a bit warmer. We've got to make sure we put that bait away from dogs. Yeah, and to keep your keep your rat baits away and, and any of your poison stuff that you're putting out, um, slug bait and all that sort of stuff, which is probably not so much this time of the year. But, yeah, you know... Dogs, dogs will go and if they can get a free meal, they'll get a free meal. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. They are master little Houdinis sometimes. Lynn Berry, look, thanks so much for stopping in the min- middle of the mini a Toto to take time out of your day to have a chat with us about uh, working dogs. They have such a big part of our farming history and they will continue to do so into the future. Really appreciate your time on the muster today. That's right, Ro. You have a great day. <laughs> you too. There we go, Lynn Berry there. Up next, we're going to wrap the show. She's going to join me in the studio. Tess Apprentice here in Dunedin, 2IC at the Master, as Andy Muir calls us, uh, calls her to wrap the show next. Oh,